Welcome, welcome, welcome to Interesting Enough. He is Trey. I am Nolan. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again. This is your first time listening to the podcast. Thank you. We are on Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. Trey, man, we got a lot to get into today, man. What's going on? How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Like you said, we got a lot to get into. I keep saying this, but uh, it's getting sadder by the day. We're getting to the end of the football season. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm disappointed, yeah. but that does mean that we're getting some of the best games of the year so far. And I, if I have to be honest with you, last weekend's, it lived up to the um, hype to me. Yeah, we go, we're going to talk about those games for sure. We thought we was going to talk about just NFL stuff, but we had some NBA news drop <laughs> basically back-to-back today, so we're going to get into that later on. But, Trey, let's start with the article you sent a couple of days ago. I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you really bring it up. I don't know if a lot. I didn't. I didn't see this one all over the place. Besides when you actually sent it, so I didn't see all all over the internet. But what's up with these dudes and the, with or this dude and the baby mama? Yeah, but say don't say these dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me be. I want to be specific. What's up with a dude and his baby mama? So it's one particular dude. Um, it was published on the New York Post. He's a 22 year old man, and I guess he happened to get five women and pregnant impregnated at the same time or roughly around the same time so you know what we all do when you get your girl pregnant you have a baby shower well i guess somebody him he came up with the good idea of saying you know what y'all are all gonna be having the babies around the same time let's just have all five of you guys have a joint baby shower no i don't even know what to say to this (laughs) like my main thing, and I'm not sitting here hating on the females, but I'm like, why would you even agree to this? All right, listen, I, I'm gonna be real. I hate to say it because I don't even know. I don't even know to do. But they, they knew who they was dealing with. You know what? You're like, right. That's 100. percent you, you. I hadn't thought about that, but you're, yeah, you're right. Because if you think about it, if if, if the, the dude that would do this, <laughs> this ain't the first time he done did something like. You're like, ah. like they, you, you know who it is. Like we, and first of all, we all know people like that. Whether it's a friend, a family member, a brother, cousin. Like, come on, we know the people yep. that like that be on to this type of stuff. Like, to be on this type of time. Now, I will say to be fair, and you and I agree with this. I go lie for a, for a person that believes in efficiency. <laughs> like, this actually is a, a, the most efficient thing you could do. And save like, you money because you know I'm cheap. So like, hey, let's knock it all out at one time. And listen, I don't care how much money he has. I, I'm sure the, the dude is not a millionaire, but five baby showers is five baby showers. Like that, I don't, I think that's pretty universal, no matter what, you know, where you sit on the financial spectrum. So that was going to be an expensive endeavor to begin with. My whole thing is, let me not ask how he's getting five people pregnant at the same time. I want to more say maybe why. Are you getting five people pregnant at the same time? Because I I find it really hard to believe that if you get five people pregnant at the same time, that some of this wasn't premeditated. Like no one is that bad, bro. Like five people, I mean, all within the same time frame, or, or sure, you know, within some sort of sort of time frame. Yeah, I, I, that's the part that's confusing to me. It does seem like a lot, but I mean, again, he's twenty two years old. And some people are just reckless. Like, they're just not going to wrap it up. They're just reckless. I don't know what to tell you. And if you talk yeah, about people... a 22-year-old that's reckless, I can see it happening. And it, I don't know. Based on the photo, everybody seemed copacetic, though. They did. Like, everybody... I, see, first of all, why they took the picture? Because I would have never been in the picture with them. I'd have been like, nah, 
You tripping. You know, you know, you know it's his idea. You know it's his idea to take a But they ain't have to agree to it. <laughs> they they have to agree. Well, listen, let's just be fair. They should start agreeing to stuff as soon as they can. And the type of life that they've got set up for themselves. Can we just agree on that? They should yep. start agreeing on things. Like them agreeing on a picture tray is really going to be the least of the, the issues. All right. So like start agreeing on stuff now. Right. Because. I, we can obviously see this going really hectic. But, man, from an efficiency standpoint, I'm down for it if you're going to do it. Because the, the only other scenario you do this is, what, you're going to get five different dates? It's, it's not going to be a special of a moment. What, your family got to come to five different events? He got to be at five different events? Then you're going to have, you know, these women feel some type of way if they, maybe their event isn't first or second or last or feeling unimportant or not important enough. He went to avoid all these issues, and he's like, let's do it all, all at one time. And to be fair, Trey, I don't know what his job is, but we got to put him, we got to put him in some um, internal affairs because if he's able, I'm just being, if he's able to speak with five women and get them on the same page for something like this, we might be able to solve world hunger. Like I'm so serious with him, with him at the forefront because I don't know anybody else that can handle five women and get them all on the same page in such a vulnerable situation like you know them being pregnant in general and them being seemingly happy like he gotta he gotta be he, we, we gotta have him on the forefront he gotta be in the, i don't know who's gonna get voted in the election trade but somebody <laughs> gotta get him in the cabinet somebody gotta get him in the cabinet listen all i'm gonna say is this too i do want to add this point to it he's only 22 how many kids do you think he's going to end up with in his entire life can i ask a better question how many kids do you think he got already oh like we don't even three. know if he don't Forty-three? No, I'm thinking. Just, yeah, you think he got more than three? Oh, you think he has three already, and then and then plus this five now? Yeah. Man, three by twenty-two. I was gonna say, I was gonna say one. I was gonna try to be nice and be like, he probably got a kid already. I don't think this is his first kids. I don't think like if you if you move on like I don't think this is his first kid. Like I kind of want to like do some research after this and follow up on the next podcast, but I don't think this is his first kid. Like that that would be my guess. Cause you, first of all, you way too comfortable with the whole baby shower and gender reveal and all that process to be doing a a, a joint one. He probably already got the, the the balloon guy on speed dial. He probably already got everything lined up and good to go. He probably got different fits already scheduled. He got the food catering already done. Yeah, like nah, this ain't this ain't his first kid. This ain't his first kid. I'm sorry. This ain't no, no, no. Now, when you like this, you on demon time. This is not your first kid. Now maybe this is not his first kid. Maybe he had a kid with one of them, the other ones before. Maybe it's not a different, you know, a six woman or something like that. Who knows? But man, the way he's moving, I don't know if he's the kingpin of his city or he the person that the city say stay away from. But listen, I, I gotta, I gotta follow the efficiency. But I'm kind of curious. I think I'm gonna follow up on that because, yeah, it's a lot of follow up questions I can go with this, and we don't have enough details or time on the podcast. But <laughs> I'm gonna follow up at some point and try to find out what he's got going on. But let's get into some sports. Obviously, that's what we're here for. Let's get into the NFL. I guess we, yeah, we'll, we'll start the NFL. I know we said we we're going to do that first. Trey, your boy Lamar has got his shot. Yes. Let's go, yeah, let's do, let's do the AFC first. Yeah, Lamar, your boy Lamar's got his shot to finally get to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs snuck by the Bills. Any, first of all, before we even get to that matchup, anything you want to comment? Because I know we've already heard it past couple of days. Anything you want to comment specifically on the Bills-Chiefs game? Like any big takeaways? I know we've talked about the game in nausea, but just want to give a moment to that too. Because that was a great game. Well, yeah, that was, I just want to say I hope that's not lost. I hope that 
we just recognize how great of a game that is. And I do want to say, I know Josh Allen, um, a lot of people are talking about that, uh, the way he was pushing the ball in that last drive where he had Stephon Diggs, I think, on like a short five-yard in route that he could have hit him on. Yep. At the end of the day, though, you live with the best of Josh Allen. Sometimes you get the worst of Josh Allen. But without him playing, as he was playing, you wouldn't even be in that position. And truth be told, I just have to give – I've earned another level of respect to Patrick Mahomes. Like, Josh Allen, he really just might have came up in the wrong era, kind of how like, how we talk about players when they were going against Michael Jordan, like a Charles Barkley yeah. or, or others. Like, maybe he's just going against the greatest of all time. And right now, I'm going to say this at the very least, at least Patrick Mahomes, he's on that trajectory of being one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. So I think, like, I don't think there's anything to take away from Josh Allen. I think he just ran into the wrong person at the wrong time. I think it's just kind of that simple. Okay, so here's my thing with the Bills. I think this iteration of the Bills window is close, Trey. And when I say this iteration, Josh Allen's going to be there a couple of the mainstays, but but they may have to shake things up. And that's what happens when you are in the era with the LeBron, with the Michael Jordan of this era. So that's not necessarily his fault, but they got to switch some things up. In re- in relation to the game, I agree you got to live and die by Josh Allen. But we're not going to act like it wasn't just a missed field goal here. Like, it was a missed field goal. That's not Josh Allen's fault. Listen, Trey, you and I have talked about Stephon Diggs on multiple occasions with his complaining. That 65-yard dot, he got to catch that. I'm sorry. He yeah. just got to catch that. Like, it is what it is. Like, listen, like, I, I've come on here and complained about Tyreek Hill, who, I, who, as you know, I believe is the best receiver in the NFL. Even he's had drops, and I had to get on here and talk about. If I got to get on there and talk about Tyreek Hill, that makes every play possible. Diggs, you was in there complaining every time when Josh Allen wasn't getting you the ball. Last year in the playoffs with the Bengals, we all know the photo. You got to make that catch. All right, Trent Sherfield, you're not a great receiver or anything like that. You was talking crazy when you beat the Dolphins because that's your former team. You got to catch that ball for your boy Josh Allen. It just seems like the Bills as a team collectively don't make the big enough plays when they need them that the Chiefs always seem to make on both sides of the ball. And that's the problem. And I'm not, I mean, we could get nitpicky. Yeah. Should he have thrown that ball to Stefan Diggs on the shallow cross? Yeah. Could he have got a little closer for field goal range? You know, instead of like a 44 yard field goal, maybe run for it. Yeah. Should he have made that better throw with, um, who was it? Um, I don't know if it was Kincaid or Shik- or should he or somebody that was running across the middle in the end zone, the one that he threw short? Yeah, he should have made that throw too. But at the end of the day, they did their job. The kicker didn't make a kick. Let's be honest though, even if the kicker made the kick, Trey, do you believe I'm pretty sure you believe Patrick Mahomes at one time out and over a minute left was probably going to drive anyway. Yep. Let's just call it. Let's just call it what it is. Like, so you know what I mean? He's the most clutch quarterback in NFL history based on the number. So it's nothing to be ashamed of with the Bills. The problem is the AFC is not getting any young, any older at least fast enough. And the AFC is always going to be good, at least in the, for the foreseeable future with the amount of good teams and quarterbacks. Yeah. Cause I think everybody's forgotten about Cincinnati. Well, once Joe Burrow gets healthy, we know right. what they do. Well, how about this? You got, how about teams that, that weren't even in contention this year that are going to be around? You got Cincinnati. How about if the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is halfway decent, you're going yeah. to play him, right? Justin Herbert, if he gets a coach, you got to deal with him. Right. So, you I mean, those are three teams right now that are, and then, at some point, you figured – I know you're not the big Trevor Lawrence guy, but at some point, you figured he's going to be in at least some playoff games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan, but I think, yeah, at some point, they're going to be better than what they are now. Correct. Right. 
So those are teams that weren't even in the mix this year. And then that's not even mentioning, look, say how, or however you feel about Tua, the Dolphins are seemingly going to be a good team regardless. So you're going to have to play them at some point. It may be in Miami, but you're going to have to play them. And then, of course, we got Lamar. So it's not going to get any easier. And I just think the Bills are at this point where they can't get over the hump. And that's a problem. You're going to have to get over the hump in the years where it's time for you to get over the hump because you may not always have the hump to get over, if that makes sense. You may not always have this opportunity. So I don't know if the Bills window is closed, but it is something to really, really consider. Now, going forward to the Baltimore game and Kansas City, I'm going to just go flat out and say it, Trey. Not only do I think this is Baltimore's situation lose, I think they're going to beat them. No, I, I think, think so. I think this is the opportunity to beat Patrick Mahomes with this team with some injuries and obviously the weapons not being as good as they used to be. I think Lamar and them are rolling on all cylinders. They shook off the rust from last week. They're playing at home. Everything is in their favor. Now, that being said, the pressure is also wholeheartedly on Lamar Jackson to go ahead and close the deal. But see, I'm not sure about that. Patrick Mahomes. Well, this is why I say it. The pressure's not pressure's not on Patrick Mahomes. He's already got two Super Bowls. If he loses this, all we're going to do is be like, look, man, it was great for him to even get to this point with no receivers playing on the road. This team probably shouldn't have even been in the AFC Championship game when they got that far. That Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's get, get Mahomes some weapons and we'll retool. What are you going to say if Lamar doesn't get it? You're the number one seed. You're the best team in the NFL. You smack the other best team in the NFL, in the NFC, in the, in the 49ers. So you're really not even worried about anybody in the NFC. I mean, this is the, one of the, the probably the best year of your career. You've had the most weapons you've had, the best offensive coordinator, probably the best defense. I mean, there's really nothing more that the Ravens can put together to set you up for success. He's got to finish the deal, and it starts with beating Kansas City on Sunday. See, and I follow you, but I think if he does lose, which I don't expect him to, but if he does, what you say is, man, he lost to Patrick Mahomes. Like, I think it's just that simple. That's why I'm saying I think the pressure is 50-50 because I think Patrick Mahomes – He's now on a pedestal where we mentioned him in the same breath as the Peyton Manning's, as the same breath as the Joe Montana's or the Tom Brady's. So I think there's still a certain amount of pressure on him just to go out and win. I think a lot of people still don't respect Lamar Jackson enough yet, so I don't think it would be taken well if he lost to Lamar Jackson. Now, if he loses to Lamar Jackson and Lamar goes and wins the Super Bowl, then I think in hindsight we might look at it a little bit differently. But I think if he loses on Sunday, I think that – uh a lot of people will be out with pitchforks to come out and attack him. Now, again, with that, they all was gonna do said, that anyway, though. Hmm? They was gonna probably do that anyway. Though. I mean, they were, but I'm just saying that they, they would have had some better points. I wouldn't agree, agree with them, but they would have had better points. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I think, again, like you said, a lot of pressure is on Lamar. But I think, I mean, not just the offense, but that defense is really well suited to beat anybody. I know that anything can happen on any given Sunday. And if you let Patrick Mahomes get hot, he is one of the few players in the league, along with Lamar, along with Josh Allen, that can beat you by themselves. So you do have to be prepared for that kind of X-factor player. But I still think that Lamar, he, I think he just, like you said, he's firing all cylinders, that team is chilling well. I still think they come out and I think they handle business. I do want to say one thing, though. This is why you should have gave Lamar weapons a few years ago. Because I still yeah. feel like he wasted two, maybe even three good years where you had a chance to actually contend, but you didn't have anybody out there. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to make a long argument about that. But uh, let's be fair, though. They did try on some weapons and just missed. They did, Brian right. said it, they never tried. So sometimes they just didn't hit on the picks. Also, too, 
this was the best chance for them to get this done when it, in a down Kansas City year. So that's a team that you're going to have to really go through. And a lot of their weapons are young. I mean, Zay Flowers is young. You know what I'm saying? Bateman is young. Odell's not that young, but you still can get him for another year or so before you, you know, eventually get somebody else. They already retooled with another tight end. We thought Mark Andrews was the problem. Then you got this guy likely out here balling. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, I mean, the Ravens are in a good spot. And when you got that AFC championship game, or in, in this case, the entire playoffs coming through your home field, you got to take advantage of that. You just absolutely have to take And it, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Patrick Mahomes trade takes takes advantage of it every year. AFC Championship game is always an arrowhead. I mean, he only lost the one. Uh, well, he got to lost twice: one to Brady, and then one to uh, Joe Burrow. But other than that, I mean, at least they they put the the ball in their own hands to have a home playoff game when it matters most. So, you know, I think that's the big deal when it comes to Lamar. I think that's the reason why because it's not the, he's going to be in the playoffs every year. He's going to be in contention every year, but it's not guaranteed that you're going to be the one seed every year. Things happen. Injuries happen, right? The season doesn't go always go your way, and you might mess around and be having to play in the – you might be mess around and have to play on the road the entire playoffs, and I, I think that's just a always a tougher hill to climb no matter who it is. But I, I got them. I, I got, I got you know, Baltimore. Now, what's the path for Kansas City, Trey? Is it just – keep the game close and then try to have um, Mahomes heroics late in the game? Or is it like jump on them early? Like we'll get, what's the Kansas city path if they do win this game? I think that they had to get Pacheco going. Um, <clears throat> as somebody that's watched the Ravens uh, throughout the season, they don't have the best running defense. So I think that's mm. something you have to keep in mind. Get Pacheco, get a ground game running, um, kind of keep them off guard. But then also I think he's just going to have to rely on Patrick Mahomes to really show his greatness. You know, like you mentioned, they don't have the same weapons that they've had in the past. They don't have the Tyree Hill. They don't even have a Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I know he had a good game last game, but um, I would say throughout the year, he's starting to show some signs of slowing down. So you just don't have the offensive weapons that you once had. So I think that you're just going to have to hope that Patrick Mahomes can go supernova again, put the team on his back, along with Pacheco, they can get that ground game running. And then if they can keep the game close, at the end of the day, if Patrick Mahomes has the ball in his hands with the minute and 30 seconds left and it's a tie game, who do you expect to come out on top? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, at that point. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If they can just keep it close, I think that the pressure mm -hmm. would kind of get at the Ravens, and I think that Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs team, a team that's used to playing in these high-pressure situations, I think that they could uh, come out on top. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. And then I will say for the Ravens, you know, if they can get pressure on Mahomes, because we've seen that's the only thing, if you can get consistent pressure. Now, Mahomes is good with you blitz and stuff, but that that pressure that kind of that the Bucks had on him in the Super Bowl, he's just running around. Yeah. Now, they obviously have a better O-line, but they may be missing Joe Tooney, who's their Pro Bowl, one of their Pro Bowl offensive linemen. So if he's out, that's going to be a, a, a huge factor for the Chiefs too, because – I mean, look, Mahomes can't block for himself and catch the ball and everything. So if you can have him running around, I mean, that, that's your, at least your best chance. You know what I'm saying? And he, like you said, he doesn't have the previous weapons. But I fully expect Baltimore to get this done. I'd be disappointed if they if they, they don't because I want nothing more than Lamar to, to be hoisting a Super Bowl trophy against the haters for sure. So I'm excited for that. Let's go to the NFC. We got the Lions. I guess almost improbable, if you will, with the 49ers. I mean, what are you looking forward to this matchup? I mean, if you want to take it a step back, anything that surprised you with that 49ers game and squeaking it out against the Packers or anything that, you know, um, 
surprised you didn't need the matchups to get to this point? Um, well, first, I was just surprised how well the Packers were able to move the ball on their 49ers defense. I mean, I know they're not Baltimore, so they're not known for their defense, but I thought their defense was a little bit better than that. But the secondary seemed to get kind of gashed up there. But I think the biggest surprise was just kind of how off Brock Purdy was. And I know Debo went down early in the game, but it's still, still even with that being said, I didn't think that he would be affected that much by uh, missing Debo. But apparently he was. And I'm kind of curious. I told you. Yeah, you're right. And I'm kind of curious because Debo is like, it sounded like he's kind of 50-50 now. So I'm like, eh, if he's kind of hobbled or you don't even have him, what does Brock Purdy look like uh, in this game coming up? And I'm not saying I'm the biggest Brock Purdy fan, but I think he's a little bit better than maybe what you give him credit for. But I will say you kind of you your point was proven all until that last drive where he was able to come up six or seven and uh mm. lead him to score that touchdown. But um up until that point, your point had been proven. Like he kind of looks like a a really good game manager in that system, but that's it, game manager in that system. And listen. I don't want to make it a negative thing like Cam Newton. It, that's his job. And that's what, for real, you need Cam. Yeah, he went a little overboard. <laughs> yeah. And that's his job, and he does his job very well. And I will give him credit for this. When things hit the fan, he doesn't panic. And he still finds a way to, like, come back and make plays. He's very resilient. And I, I do like that trait in a quarterback. So I'm going to give him credit. But, listen, it was raining. It wasn't great, you know, situation. And, you know, he just didn't really look that good. I and mean, there was a couple plays, Trey. We, well, we, we, there's a couple picks that the, the Packers left out there, too. Man, they left they two or three play. out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, this isn't really a game that you want to get into with the Lions. And they're, they're listen, I think the Packers probably are better defensively. But, listen, if the thing about the Lions, they can kind of control that clock if they get to running the ball and stuff like that, and they can just limit the amount of possessions. And that's the thing that scares me if I'm the 49ers. It's like, you know, we have all these names like Bosa and Chase Young, but we're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. We're not stopping the run. And it's like, hey, we're the defense with all these Pro Bowl names, but we're not getting the job done. And the one thing we do know about the Lions, they have that offensive line. We do know that. So they are going to be able to block, right? And if you can block for Jared Goff, he's showing you that he can be a good NFL quarterback, better than what most people think. Now, I'm still going to pick the 49ers in this game. I just think that they're too loaded. And even if Debo doesn't play, if he's 50-50, I got to think that, you know, Purdy can make enough plays with Kittle and McCaffrey and the rest of those guys that they'll be able to, you know, beat them at home. But it's not a foregone conclusion. It's not a foregone conclusion, but I just think it's a tough matchup for the Lions. You know, they're on the emotional high, but they're not really a great road team. Now, San Francisco is not necessarily like some crazy environment with some crazy weather or anything like that. So, I mean, they, they should be fine. But it seems like Brock Purdy struggles in the rain. So, if it starts raining a little bit, I mean. Right, right. Well, now, I mean, I looked at the forecast. It looks clear. Oh, okay, so okay, okay. I'm just, I'm going, I'm going with the assumption that it's a clear skies. But I'm saying that works in hand, hand in hand for Detroit. Because I feel like Detroit's almost like, we talked about this. They're almost like Miami. It's like, man, they got to go to like Lambeau or somebody somewhere cold. You're like, yeah, hey, I don't know. Yeah, so I agree like, with you. You're going to be playing. If you're going to be playing in the warm, it's kind of like it don't really matter if that's not a dome anymore. I mean, we just kind of balling at that point. So I'm going to still go with the 49ers in that game, but I would love to see nothing more than the Lions get to the Super Bowl and then that ruin the ratings for the NFL. I would love to see nothing more. Well, hold on, hold on. The- Speaking about ruining ratings, it's not going to ruin ratings because the Lions and uh, who did they play last week? I'm sorry, I'm blanking out already. The Lions yeah. and uh, the Bucks. The Bucks, yeah, Lions and Bucks. That was the highest rated 
divisional game in NBC for the last 30 years. And then Man, you know folks just wanted to see some history, man. They maybe they did, but like they would still want to see history if they made the Super Bowl. And then the yeah. Bills and Chiefs, I want to say that that was the highest rated uh divisional game of all time. So like I think the ratings would be fine. Like football, like it's just king. The ratings would be fine. Yeah, I I guess no matter what, I mean, the deeper you go into the playoffs, they, they, they're going to get people to watch anyway. I guess the, it really don't matter what it is. Like, what do we talk about? We like, what, what do we say the other day? Like, can you imagine we was talking about watching the Lions and Bucks and being locked in to, to our Lions and Bucks game? Like, th- just think about that statement. And we were locked in. Me. I know I was, and I know you were, because I was texting you throughout the game. <laughs> right. If I would have told you early in the, like, in preseason, I'd be like, man, I can't wait for that Lions-Bucks game. You'd have been like, what are you talking about? Like, I would have said, also, Tom Brady came back. Right, exactly. Like you're like, what are you talking about? So it's just funny how that works. But listen, man, I'm excited for the games. But of course, you know that means we getting closer to football's over. But you know we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna <laughs> the sadness for the sadness. But let's get to some NBA trade because we we're gonna sit obviously get on here and talk about the NFL. But then the bombshells happen. Let I, I'm a you know I'm sorry, Trey. I gotta hijack it. We let, let's start. The, let me just start the heat trade. Let me start. The oh, trade. the heat. Let, let me start with the heat trade. Let, listen, I've told you about Terry Rozier. We've talked about this guy. So this isn't a random player that we didn't know that wasn't rumbling that wanted to go to the heat. The heat obviously get Terry Rozier. We trade a 2027 first round pick. Also, I think it's uh, top 14 protected, I believe. So whatever. First round pick, Kyle Lowry's expiring contract. Let me just tell you this, Trey. As a fan that have gone to two heat games in the last week, one of the heat games, as you know, was against the very Hornets, where I watched Terry Rozier. And I remember, took my mom to the game, told her, I was like, man, you see that guy right there? I was like, I would love if he's on the Heat. And lo and behold, Trey, not a week later, is this guy on the Heat. And listen, I can I just say one thing? We've been doing this podcast for about four years. And if one person knows how I used to feel about Kyle Lowry, it's you. I mean, I used to be disrespectful about Kyle Lowry before he was on the Heat, and you know that. And I, I'm gonna be—I'll be honest, I was. And but I've done a complete 180 on Kyle Lowry. As a guy that likes watching basketball for a lot of the stuff that has nothing to do with the ball going into the basket, like the intangibles, I love Kyle Lowry. What he brings to the game, his IQ, his you know his intelligence, his leadership, also just a really good playmaker, defender. I can appreciate that guy on my team. And let me tell you something. In those playoff games, in these playoff series, when we had him, yeah, was there a lot of other point guys I'd rather have? Yes. But I loved having the guy on our team because he came up with some big moments in, versus the Knicks, versus Boston, even whether he was healthy or not. And I would go into the foxhole with that guy anytime. With that being said, Trey, the, the, the man the man cannot shoot the ball to save his life. And he's good. Recently. I mean, yeah. It, and, and listen, He's an older point guard. It just is what it is. Like, he's had a great career. We're not even talking about a guy in his prime, so it's not really like an indictment on him. I would have loved to see if he can keep him and bring him off the bench. But, listen, he wasn't even necessarily happy with himself coming off the bench, and, like, you got to move his contract. We get Terry Rozier, an athletic point guard that we needed on a team that, we, you know, we're a team that struggles to score. We needed a guy that can consistently push the pace. And, listen, Terry Rozier is a blur. He could fly, and that's one thing about him. And when you go against all these point guards in the East, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, Dame Lillard, you can't be – I ain't going to lie, Trey, you can't be pulling up to the park with Kyle Lowry. I'm sorry, you can't. Like, no, I'm just being real. Like, you can't. And then they already lost Gabe Vincent. You just can't, like – No, he ain't doing nothing, though. You ain't lose Gabe Vincent. 
Well, he's hurt. He's hurt. Let's be fair. Don't don't but, don't. Uh, Kendrick, I'm, none I'm, of I'm just saying he's been a dud, so don't, you didn't lose. Don't don't, don't Kendrick none of them. I can I can hear, I can feel that in the back of your voice that that Kendrick none. Don't do because him like it is. that yet. <laughs> Where's do Kendrick none do now? Like that. Don't do don't do him like that. Don't do him like that. Don't do him like that. But I like the Terry Rozier trade for us, and they was asking for too much for Dejounte Murray, so I'm kind of happy with it. Now you're the non Heat fan here. What do you think about the deal? I like it a lot. I don't know if it pushes you guys into the championship realm, but I mean, it, def- it definitely puts us past past the past the Knicks. I feel that it does. It does push you past the Knicks. And this second point I was going to make was, I didn't really think you guys were a championship team last year, but uh, you proved me wrong. <laughs> right, right. True. So, like, if the margin really is that narrow, then yeah, he does. He definitely makes your team better. Again, he's a guy that can keep up with the other guards in the league. He can score when you need to, like even in isolation. He doesn't have to have somebody set up for him. And Kyle Lowry, at this point in his career, you know, he really wasn't a good isolation scorer anymore. And that's something you need in the playoffs when things break down. So now you have Jamie Butler, Tyler Hero, and himself, Terry Roger, to score in the isolation. That's going to be a really yeah. tough team to guard when it really when things start to break down in the playoffs. My only concern can is I- from a defensive perspective, I know we say he can stay in front of other guys, but if you have Terry Rogier, who's still a smaller point guard, and Tyler Hero, who's a smaller shooting guard with not the greatest athleticism in the world. You know, I do wonder a little bit about the defensive limitations on that team, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you still have Jamie Butler. Even though he's older, he's still a really good wing defender, and you had Bam Adebayo on the back line. So I still think that they can make it work, but I still think there might be a little bit of growing pains early on just from a defensive point of view. I, and I agree with that completely. My only response to that would be, well, hell, it can't get no worse. I mean, you had Kyle Lowry out there. No, that, and that's a true point. Thing. So that was my only thing. And it's like, if you're going to be, you know, a slightly better defender, but a way better offensive player, I'll take it. And here's the thing I think it, what, what it gives a heat trade. It gives us defensive – it gives us versatility. There may be situations where Terry Rozier is out the lineup because we need defensive lineups in, and we have guys that can play defense. We have Josh Richardson. We have Caleb Martin. So sometimes that's where the coaching is going to be coaching, right? Like where he's got to mix and match it and kind of figure it out. And, you know, do you need to play Haywood Highsmith here and not Rozier here? Like he can figure all that stuff out. But it just gives us an element for a guy that can go give us a lot of times when we struggle to score, gives us an option. Now I did want to ask this before we move off this trade trade. How much better do you think DeJounte Murray is than Rozier? And I asked that because I know the Heat were trying to potentially go get him. I know the asking price was probably a, a little bit too rich for the Heat. Do you think there's a huge difference between DeJounte and Rozier just from a player perspective and then, you know, considering the money they're making? I just want to make sure I'm not looking at it too crazy as just being like a, you know, a homer. I think there's a, there's a little, I would say a slightly decent difference between the two. But the way I would look at it is, what's the difference between Tyler Hero and DeJounte Murray? And at this point, DeJounte Murray, he hasn't played defense like he was when he was with the Spurs in years. So, like, from an offensive perspective, I don't really think there's much of a difference there. So, if I can get somebody who's a natural point guard, because DeJounte Murray is not a natural point guard, if I can get that in Terry Rozier, and he's still a good scorer, maybe not quite to the level of DeJounte Murray, obviously that's probably a lot of it due to the size uh, limitations that Terry Rozier has but he's still a really good scorer. I think when you look at it in totality, I think it more than enough makes up for getting Terry Rogier as opposed to DeJounte Murray, what you would have had to give up. 
I think this is okay. slightly decent difference, but looking at the team and the chemistry that they are projecting to have, I think okay. it works out perfectly. Okay. Okay. So I, yeah, I figured the same thing too. I just wanted to make sure. And by the way, real quick, while I'm on the note, cause I did go to Hazard retirement ceremony, Trey, I'm done with Paul Pierce. I'm done with Paul Pierce. I'm sorry. I just had to say it. Paul Pierce taking shots. I just had, I just want to say that if you know, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Paul Pierce. Come on now. Don't do that. Come on. I do it. Paul Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, Paul Pierce. Don't do that. But but anyway, all right, let's let's talk about the Bucks, Trey. So I thought the Heat were gonna get the news all day. Then I look up the Bucks are firing coaches. They fire Adrian Griffin, first year coach. Obviously, there may be rumored to get Doc Rivers, who was obviously, if people didn't know, he was a consultant for Adrian Griffin, like kind of like informally, you know, so kind of helping Adrian Griffin out. And now, you know, he's on ESPN. Looks like they want him to coach. Before before I give give it to you, Trey, I just gonna I just wanna say this. As far as the Bucks, we should have known something was up. As soon as the Bucks had hired Terry Stotts as, you know, the lead assistant coach who was Dame Lillard's former head coach, and then all of a sudden, right before the season starts, he decides to leave. Now I don't know if it was because of family issues or anything specifically that came up in his personal life, but when that happened. That was a huge red flag. And I, I think something that we just kind of mentioned and then just never really gets talked about. But Terry Stotts obviously saw something that maybe he didn't see something that wanted him to leave, but he didn't say something that made him want to stay enough. Uh, maybe I'll frame it that way. But that that's something I just wanted to put into your mindset, Trey, because we, uh, we don't really talk about it too much, but that was something we talked about at the time. Oh, yeah, and that was definitely something that was, I guess, a bit awkward when I saw it. And, like, it just... It kind of raised that red flag. Like, mm, I wonder what's going on here. You're gonna get rid of Terry Stotts, or he's just gonna voluntarily leave before the season's even right. started. And I'm talking about he's working with a rookie head coach. I was a little bit concerning, but um, with his former star player, by the way, too. Like, if, if there's there's a situation where you're actually familiar with the guy, exactly. Like that was your, he's coming into a new system. Like I thought that was gonna you're know, gonna try to make that work out, but it didn't, obviously. And um, like I said, I, that did kind of draw some red flags. But as the season went on and the Bucks were playing well, I mean, there's a second C in the Eastern Conference. I kind of just put that in the back of my mind and kind of forgot about it. And I didn't – I mean, the Bucks a lot won the last five or six games. So, like, they haven't shown any signs of any kind of dysfunction. So, like, I guess I'm just not really sure where this came from. At first when I saw it, I was wondering – Maybe he had kind of like an email situation. Not saying it's exactly the same, but the situation where they didn't really want to talk about it, but something else other than basketball related went down. But nothing right. like that has come out. So, like, I don't really think that's what happened. I just think, as you kind of mentioned in some of our messages before we started the podcast, that Damian Lillard and Giannis weren't really feeling him. And this is a player's league, and the superstars run this league. And I just think that um, because they weren't getting along with him, it seemed just odd to doubt to go a different direction. I think Adrian Griffin was put in a tough spot. As a first-year coach, I always complain when coaches – I feel like I'm the gatekeeper for coaches being put in the right situation because I, I really hate when I see a guy that I think is a good coach gets put in a tough spot where it's like a bad team. You know, for example, I always bring up the the Steven Silas thing with the Rockets. I don't know if Steven Silas is a great coach, Trey, but, I mean, come on. He didn't we'll play. never know. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we just will never know. So – I don't like those situations. But the, the situation with the Bucks was weird timing-wise. Adrian Griffin, Trey, remember, he got the job 
as already being one of the assistants. All right. And he beat out two former guys that, that had head coaching experience after he has the job is when they did the trade for Dame Lillard. So I'm not sure if he even knew that they were going to get Dame Lillard or if that was something even on the Bucks radar. So he kind of got thrust into this situation where you thought you were going to be on a contending team to now you guys got Dame Lillard. Now you're all of a sudden the immediate favorite, immediate pressure on you. So tough spot to be in. Another tough spot to be in. You lose Drew Holiday, who's one of the best perimeter defenders of this generation. You go to Dame Lillard and look, Trey, with all due respect, you're, he's one of the worst guard defenders in the league, right? And he always has been. Now I'm just calling it what it is. And he's so, in his 30s now. So, like, he's not going to get any better. And he's in his 30s. There you, there you go. So, he wasn't even a good defender in his prime. So, that's a tough situation to deal with. And then, you know, you got people basically trying to tell you how to run an offense. Like, well, why isn't Giannis and Dame running pick and roll more? And I, and I think he's just in a situation where he was trying to work out the kinks. They're still winning games. Granted, it wasn't against great competition, I think the, one of the nails in the coffin tray, and I know people probably didn't see it as a big deal. When they lost to the those Pacers all four times, I think that was like an indictment on what they saw because they were like, yo, if we can't even guard the Pacers, what are we going to do when we got to play Joel Embiid? What are we going to do when we have to play Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? But let me, let me, I mean, let you- me pause you real quick for a second. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be more of a function of personnel? Because this is a team that does not have Drew Holiday anymore. This is a team where Chris Middleton is not the same player that he was two or three years ago. So wouldn't that be a more of a function of personnel than of coaching? I would agree with you, but here's the only difference. Drew Holiday is the only guy you lost. Those other guys are not guarding the same anymore, too. Even Giannis isn't playing the same level of defense Correct. as he was. So I'm not blaming... Look, Adrian Griffith can't be Giannis and play for him, but it's like if everyone's regressing, if Brooke Lopez is regressing defensively, if Giannis is regressing defensively, like we knew the damn thing was going to happen, but we can't have the whole ship like not playing defense no more. Like, like that's basically what was happening too. So it's like at a certain point, he's got to make some adjustments and it just may be adjustments that he's not sure to make yet because he's a brand new coach on the fly. There's a million things he's got to worry about besides just the defensive scheme when you're the head coach. It's different when you're the main defensive coordinator and you're not the head coach and you don't got to worry about lineups and this guy, this guy's unhappy about minutes and that guy's unhappy. So I just think he's in a tough spot. I think he's going to end up being a future head coach in another program, but I think it's it's just a tough situation to deal with now. Now, going forward, is Doc Rivers the best guy for the job? I mean, obviously we got to limit it. There's not even a lot of guys available, but what can Doc Rivers bring to the table, Trey, that – Adrian Griffin couldn't if he becomes a coach, which we all predict. Um, well, I would say this, Doc. Well, unless you want somebody, unless you unless you see somebody else as a better. Well, player. I mean, at this point in the season, I don't know who else you're gonna get. Like, I don't. Know. <laughs> I mean, I right, really right, think right. out there, but I mean, like, who else are you gonna get? Like Mike D'Antoni, Kenny Atkinson, like Doc Rivers just might be the best choice that you have right now. But um, with that being said, I think Doc Rivers, you know, he does have the experience, so he's not going to go through some of the growing pains that I suspect that uh, Agent Griffin might have been going through. And he has worked with star players before. You saw that with the big three Celtics. We saw that with the Clippers. We saw that with Philadelphia. So I think that at least for from an interpersonal communication standpoint, he'll be able to get along and communicate well with Dame and Giannis. So I think you have that going for you. But um, from a purely basketball standpoint, I'm just not so sure what else Doc can really do differently. Like I said, you did lose Drew Holiday. 
Chris Middleton from a standpoint and from an injury standpoint, he's not the same player that he was two or three years ago. I know you brought up Brook Lopez, but I mean, he's older now. I mean, he's been in the league forever, it seems like. So I just think, I don't think, I just don't think the Bucks are quite as good as what we thought they were. I think that their records indicate of where they are. Like they're a really good team in the Eastern Conference, but they're probably not the top tier. You know, they're not Boston. I don't know if they're beating the Clippers or the Minnesota Timberwolves if they were even to get out of the East. Like, I think they're just a step up below the uh, championship contenders. So, I just don't know if Doc really pushes you above that. Well, hold up. I, I mean, they're still a championship contender now. Well, maybe not contender, but I would say ch- contender I mean, might if, not be if, the if, right word, but championship yeah, favorites. Yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, favorites. That's a bad word. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they may not be the favorites, but, like, I mean, look, they still got Giannis and Dame. I mean, they can roll up in the series and, you know, make it, make it, make it, make it some problems. If I'm Doc, though, Trey, I know I'd heard Doc, you know, we both listened to Bill Simmons. He was kind of talking about taking a year off. Oh, you got to take this job. Oh, you have to. I mean, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. He has got to take this job. It is not often that a job like this falls on your lap when you have one of the best players of all time in Giannis on your squad. Like, for, think about this, Trey. Think about it like this, Trey. How many times do you get a, do you lose a job? You get fired. And the, your very next job opportunity is less than a year later, and your best player on that team is probably better than the, the guy you had before. I mean, you can say that, but like, think just, about it. You dot went from the big three Celtics Embiid. to Blake Griffin and Chris Paul to Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like, he finds a way to get connected to these superstars. So I know what you're saying. Okay, but can I be fair? It, and Giannis would be the best one. Yeah, I'm not going to debate that. You're right. At least, at least based on where he's at in his prime and everything like that, he probably, maybe Embiid, but I mean, obviously this Embiid level is yeah. This is a little bit different. Know. Right, right. He just dropped seventy as we speak. <laughs> but, 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 um, you know, you get Giannis with Dame, and you know, we know Doc is good with stars. You got to take this job. I mean, you you can figure out the kinks later. Take this job, and l- listen, if Doc takes this job. No one's gonna fault him if he if he don't get to the finals or nothing this year. He'll be like, "Look, I just came in halfway through the year. Let me get an off season. Let me retool some stuff, and then next year let's go let's go to work." So this is kind of a win win if you're Doc because you can come and be in the savior. And I mean, you really don't have to do much here. You got to make some tweaks defensively. Maybe they can get a piece before the deadline. You know, if I'm the if I'm the Bucks, I'm like, "Yo, I'm making calls for Alex Caruso, Trey, like yesterday." And like yesterday, you feel me? Like I'm like, yo, I need a defensive guard by Dame, cause like, listen, da- between Trey, between Dame Lillard and Malik Beasley, I mean, come on now, that ain't gonna cut it. That ain't gonna cut it defensively. Like it's just not gonna cut it. So, I mean, I'm making calls for Alice Caruso, any of these defensive guards out here for sure. Um, but if I'm Doc, I gotta take this job. I mean, there's there's no offense or bust about it. But what what would be the other options? Because I'm looking around the league and I'm like. Like you said, do you go with a Dan Tony? Um, I mean, you're not gonna really sign Kenny Atkinson. He's an assistant coach right now, so that usually doesn't happen until after the year. So, I mean, what's their options at this point? That's again, that's the point. One of the main points I'm bringing up. Like, you're not gonna go to Stan Van Gundy route either. We seen <clears throat> that does that doesn't work anymore. So, I think. Oh, you you done with Stan? Listen, that last stop. I just <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it just ran its course at this point. <laughs> And if he wasn't yeah, able to get that, along with Zion and that New Orleans team, I really don't think that future Hall of Fame hey, such listen, as Dame and Giannis listen, are going to be. 
looking back on the stand, I like Stan couldn't get along with Zion. We realized it, it, it might have not been a stand issue. Hey, fair point. Touche, touche. <laughs> <laughs> it might. Hey, Stan couldn't get along with Dwight. It might not be a stand issue, Trey. Hey, Stan couldn't couldn't get it to work in Detroit. Who got it to work in Detroit? Okay, you might be right, but what I will say is I'm I don't think Milwaukee's now. willing to find that out. <laughs> you know who they need to get? Who's that? They need to get his brother. They need to get Jeff. Jeff ain't coming. Man, people have been trying to pull Jeff out for 20 years. He's not coming. <laughs> well, he ain't on TV no more. I think I think he's a consultant with the with the Celtics, I think, now. But hey man. Oh, I, I got one, Trey. I got one. Why don't they go get your boy Mark? Mark Jackson. For whatever reason, I'm not going to – it seems like his name is kind of tarnished because his name doesn't even come out like he was suspected would. I don't know right. exactly what happened, but, hey, whatever it is, people are not dealing with it. Yeah, Mark I, – I, I didn't think there would be a day I would say it, but, like, I don't, I don't know if he'll get a head coaching job. And he was successful. That's the crazy part about it. Yeah, I know. One, one shot. Like, le- legitimately one shot. You got guys that got three, four shots in the league and like that's it so i don't know but we'll, we'll see i mean there's a lot of nba stuff we're gonna get into as we as we go along but final predictions trey so we basically got we both got the ravens and 49ers in the, in the super bowl or anything gonna change that before we get out man I, oh. so i definitely had a ravens the 49ers scared me last week yeah if Debo's not there, I'm, I'm picking the Lions. I know I hate to do the caveat, but if Debo's Deepo, there, I'm I'm going with the 49ers. No, but that's you, no, you're right. That's an important caveat. That's an important. But from all signs, I don't think he'll miss this game. Okay, then I know I'm going with 50, 49ers. 50. Yeah, so if we're going with the assumption that he's going to be there, I'm going to go with the 49ers. But I would love to see the Lions upset. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to come back next week and be wrong. I'll tell you that for sure. I listen, I, I wouldn't care. Like, I wouldn't care in, um, if anything in the world because like, at the end of the day, like I said, Jared Goff, he's playing a lot better, and I would just love him to kind of metaphorically spin in the face of the Rams and say, hey, look what you gave up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a great story for sure. But I want to thank everybody so much for joining us once again. Again, check us out. We're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, YouTube Shorts, anywhere you can think of, man. I mean, it's super helpful when you guys, you know, give us a quick rate, a quick, a quick listen, even if it's for a second. Can't thank you guys enough. Got a lot more content for you guys coming. Stay, stick with us. We'll bring some special guests back on. I know football season is coming to an end, but we got a lot of stuff we're going to get into. So keep tapped in for that. And of course, I'm going to swing it to Trey. Hey, again, guys, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we're on all the major platforms. So check us out. Again, you know, stay with us, interact with us on Instagram. We really do appreciate all the love and support. But until next week, peace. Peace.